Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board-certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. What is this podcast about? It's all about wellness. It's about happiness. It's about great stories. It's about stories that pump you up because people are strong and courageous, which is why I have a very special guest today. But let me take a step back. You know, I always kind of brag that the Dr. Raj podcast is not just going to be cool in California. I wanted to be popular in the country. In fact, I kind of wanted to be popular in the world. So I'm not joking. Today's guest is actually calling in whatever it is, onlining in from Australia. It's like like 6 a.m. in the morning, her time. I'm so pumped that I have people that I know in different countries. So that's one thing. The second thing is I always want to be a proponent for rare diseases. You know, I always feel diseases that need someone to stand up for them to actually, you know, bring them to the forefront. And one of the diseases I'm very passionate about is scleroderma. So my guest today also has scleroderma. She is from Australia. This podcast is officially international, so I'm so excited. So today's guest is Claudia Sultan, and I'm going to read something about her before I introduce her. Claudia was born and raised in Australia. She obtained a bachelor's degree in science, majoring in psychology. And in 2013, you know, she was unfortunately diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called scleroderma. Literally, she wrote down it hijacked her life and robbed her of many opportunities. After undergoing a stem cell transplant, she has regained her quality of life and independence and she enjoys spending quality time with her family and friends, walks on the beach. Well, it is Australia, you know, <laughs> she's obsessed with shopping, baking, but she put in a little parentheses bracket. She's still finding her way around the kitchen. <laughs> she likes dancing, pizza, creative writing, movies. And I'm going to ask her this. She loves 80s music. Yay, Duran Duran. Uh, for <laughs> continues being the version of herself by creating new memories and appreciating the littlest things of life. Everyone, welcome. Claudia. Claudia, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. How did you like your intro? Did I pump you up? Oh, that was fantastic. I love it. You did a great job. Cool. So are you kind of a morning person or is this is this rough for you? 
Actually, no, I am a morning person. So this is this is very normal for me. So, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, let's start off because I do want to start off with like scleroderma in general. And I don't want to yep. give a straight medical lecture about it. But I want to ask you some questions about your journey. And I'll kind of interrupt you nicely and throw in some medical pearls. So yeah, not a problem. What were kind of like the first signs or symptoms that you knew something wasn't right? Okay, um, so uh, my first signs was um, that I noticed a discoloring in my fingers. So they had changed from, from white to blue, then red. And this was while I was standing outside my building office smoking a cigarette at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, at the time, I really didn't think much of it, but it wasn't until a few days later that I was sitting um, in the office um, at my desk and I noticed a, discolor um, a discoloring in my fingers again, but only this time with throbbing pains. So there was that pins and needles feeling. And so um, I consulted with a vascular specialist who then immediately diagnosed me with rhinoids and then referred me on to a rheumatologist who then issued a number of tests. And, now, then, and, and, then, and then later confirmed I had scleroderma. I think you're giving the, the abbreviated version. So for, you know, med students, so Raynaud's is exactly what she describes associated with scleroderma, but Raynaud's could be by itself. Raynaud's could be associated with many, many other rheumatological diseases like a lupus and, and so forth. So what if besides the Raynaud's, did you have other symptoms? I'm going to throw it out there. Do you have difficulty swallowing? Did you have shortness of breath? What else kind of jumped to mind? Back in 2013, I really, I really didn't have many symptoms. It was, I mean, it was more so the Reynolds. It was, it was just, a, you know, the discoloring in my fingers. But then shortly after, then a few months later, my condition actually was getting quite, uh, let's just say, because of the progression of the disease, my condition had changed. And I felt that the skin was very hard in some areas of my body. So in my wrist, in my ankles, in my kneecaps, I um, there was this this swellness, this inflammation buildup. So yeah, that was that was kind of very early on. Now, for those who don't know, scleroderma is more than just affecting the skin. Of course, that is the most you know it's dramatic. We notice the change in patients' appearance; their skin becomes hard and sclerosed, hence scleroderma. Uh, but it can affect every single organ <clears throat> in the body. So. Some of the patients I've seen, you know, Claudia or Helpman, yep. I don't know if I told you this before, my wife's a rheumatologist. So, oh, okay. yeah, so we I mean, she's just as passionate as I am. Many of the patients get underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed before the correct diagnosis of scleroderma is given. So was your story, was it that, you know, were you fortunate to where, hey, Raynaud's, exam, boom, scleroderma, or was there a big delay in seeing multiple doctors in between before someone definitively said it was scleroderma? Um, so actually with my case, um, the first rheumatologist that I saw, um, and he was the one that, um, the, that the vascular surgeons um, referred me to, he actually told me on the spot in my first consultation that I had scleroderma. Wow. And so he thought immediately, he said, um, I think it's actually scleroderma, but I won't know until you can, you know, complete a, a number of tests to confirm that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, and I mean, that's how it pretty much started. It was just that one consultation. He just knew immediately. 
we we should promote this rheumatologist because he seems <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Actually, now, I would have to disagree with you on that. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but I'll get to that shortly. I'll explain why. <laughs> okay, so let's go to your feelings. You know, I think that. My wife always tells me because, you know, many rheumatologists have to diagnose some rare diseases and he tells you, hey, you got scleroderma. Were you shocked? Were you crying? Were you like, whatever? Like, when did it really hit you about the severity of what you had? Okay, so look, at the time, like when he said to me that I had scleroderma, I I mean, it was the first time of, you know, of hearing the word scleroderma. and I asked him to explain what it was and, you know, um, and the life expectancy. And But he, but he used words like fatal death, you know, um, life expectancy, you know, was anything between 10 to 15 years, internal organ, you know, damage. Um, and so I sat there, I was shocked. I was really shocked. I, but I looked over to my mum where she was sitting because she had come with me to the, con, you know, the consultation and she was in tears. Oh, she was just crying helplessly. And, um, and, but whereas I was sitting there and more like, what, me? You know, this can't be happening to me. No, not something like this. Um, so, it, look, it took me a very long time um, to accept that I had scleroderma, and I, most of, um, I relied heavily on Google. Google became my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm chuckling with you because you know um, sometimes when I have the opportunity to you know make a diagnosis of something that's not common, you know my patients are you know they kind of try to take it all in. It's when they go home and go to Wikipedia and go to Google that's when tears <laughs> start coming out because. <laughs> Kidding me? Are you kidding me? So yeah, I could I could see where you're coming from with that. Now, tell me about your journey about having it in the sense that I know you got a stem cell transplant, and I got to tell you that's not the most common thing that people with scleroderma get. And usually, you got to have a very, you know, severe progressive disease to get it. Tell me about what organs started really coming to the forefront. What treatments did you try? before saying I need a stem cell? What happened in between? Okay, um, so I was, I had trialed so many drugs to reduce my symptoms, but they all failed me. So I was on prednisone. I was um, also taking um, uh, calcium channel blockers and I was on inflammation tablets as well. So there was like Mobic, um, I was taking um, turmeric as well at the time. Um, so I pretty much used whatever the doctor recommended to slow down the progression of the disease. However, um, the rheumatologist that prescribed, um, that actually diagnosed me with scleroderma, mm-hmm. suggested I trial methotrexate to, okay. to slow down the progression of the disease. And initially I started off with tablets Okay. And um, but actually, that didn't work because I mean, the my my skin had become very hard and stiff in so in, in so many areas of my body that was impacting my mobility and my quality of life. Like I discovered a number of physical changes in my hands, my face that were in, um, in my body that were quite beyond my control. And of course. so I mean, this one afternoon I was on the train home from work, and the train pulled up, you know, at my stop, and I got off, you know, my seat to walk down the stairs, and I lost control of both of my knees. My knees kind of oh. just buckled in. 
I yeah. fell forward and landed on my hips. Oh my now, God. and this was, and while I was still um, taking methotrexate, so at the, so then my rheumatologist suggested I trial with the methotrexate, but as an in, injection form. Yeah. And so as months progressed, I found myself uh, just unable to bend my elbows, um, oh. you know, straighten them, or even get out of bed or good. I mean, I was constantly calling in sick. I had yeah. trouble lifting my arms over my head. I was, yeah. you know, and I found myself that uh, I was so broken and damaged. And I was just, I mean, trying so hard to live a normal life. Um, but I just felt that scleroderma had disrupted, you know, my life, my world, hijacked my world in so many ways and restricted me from doing the things that I, I love doing. And so it seemed that even methotrexate was not slowing down the progression of the disease. So, um, wow. yeah, I, I, so I had to, then I seeked um, another opinion um, about my condition, which I met another rheumatologist and he suggested the stem cell transplant. Wow. Now let me, let me be dorky medical dude for some of the people listening. So yeah, I mean, Claudia could attest to this. There, there, there really is no cure, which stinks, you know, and that's why we need to raise awareness about it. And steroids, prednisone, wow, they don't really have a big role in uh, in scleroderma patients. And most of the time, you end up getting the the bad side effects of all those steroids. And you know what I'm talking about: swelling and waking and insomnia and high blood pressure and poorly cold blood sugars. Steroids are tough. I mean, for any disease state, and methotrexate, you know. Supposedly, in the olden days, there was some data about helping out with the skin. It wasn't like great data. It also has a lot of side effects, unfortunately, you know, when you take the medication. And sometimes when you want to get better, what they call, you know, availability in the body, you know, you'll take it when you inject it instead of taking it through the by mouth where maybe you're not absorbing as much of the drug. But man, you, you went for it. And um, how did that conversation come about about the stem cell transplant. So let me just tell you, Claudia, when, you know, the patients I've used or referred to for stem cell transplant had a lot of the lung involvement for scleroderma. And I got to tell you, scleroderma in the lung are like peanut butter and jelly. You, you guys get fibrosis, you get something called pulmonary hypertension. Did you have any lung stuff with your scleroderma? Well, yes. So um, by this stage, I was using methotrexate, so injecting myself weekly for three months. Okay. And um, there was, um, so they detected after a CT scan, they detected um, some scarring around my lungs. So in the okay. lower lobes, I had chronic bronchitis and they found that there was some uh, fibrosis as well. Oh, boy. So, um, but it, I kind of found myself that I was struggling to walk up a flight of stairs, and I think the breaking point for me was this one time I, I got – because I, I live about two and a half hours from the my current job, so where I, I go to my office. So it's, it's a, um, a city called Sydney. And yeah, I know I Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to commit to work. So okay. I would get up like every morning at 5 a.m., get ready, you know, get my makeup done, pack my breakfast and my lunch and make sure my bed is fixed before I leave the house so I can get, you know, be in the office by 8 o'clock. And this one morning, um, I just reached Central's train station and I got there and the um, escalator was out of order. Like they were doing maintenance 
and the lift was not working either. So there was, and they were also doing maintenance. And so I, I stood there and I thought, oh my God, how am, how am I going to get up those stairs? So I took it upon me. I'm like, you know what, I, I have to do this. And I'm like, you know, I need to get to the office. You know, I'm, I'm running late. It was raining heavily that day as well. And um, so I remember just walking up those stairs, just taking one step at a time. But it was when I reached the top of those stairs, I burst into tears. Like I was Mm. out of breath. Mm. I was out of breath. I was so exhausted. I actually moved to the side to get out of everyone's way because they're all, you know, all rushing to the office too. And I burst into tears. And I thought, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I was so physically exhausted, you know, um, I, I was like I had throbbing pain in my in my body in all areas of my body and I you know suddenly I became this girl with you know chronic pain and it was I felt so trapped in this foreign body feeling so disconnected and while I was trying so hard to put up a good front and then it soon became a rather simple decision to proceed with a stem cell transplant. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Were you I mean, using oxygen, time, uh, Claudia, at any time? N- no, no, not at all. No, I mean, I was trying so hard to, you know, to fight this disease, this yeah. awful disease, you know. I was trying so hard to live a normal life and not lose my identity, my independence and my yeah. sanity to this disease. But yeah. what can I say? It was much stronger than I was and it really hijacked my world. And and at the time I had consulted with a second rheumatologist Because methotrexate was not working in my favor. And I found that my body was deteriorating so quickly. Yeah. And I had no control of it. And so he suggested the stem cell transplant. Yeah. And he said it will improve your life. I'm sorry, it will improve your quality of life. And um, it will reverse your condition by 50%. Now, it's it's not a cure. Correct. But it Correct. Was, that's yeah. yeah. So, um, but to be honest, I I was afraid. I was afraid of the side effects of the chemo. You know, I thought, you know, what if it failed? What if it didn't work in my favor? Yeah. And then there, and then there was the mortality rate as well. So, at first, I declined. I thought, you know what? No, this I will not go ahead with a stem cell transplant. I'm gonna. I'm going to fight this out. I'm just going to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And I'm not going to let this disease consume my everyday living. Um, but like I said, it was much stronger than I was. I mean, I mean, and so let's fast forward literally to the day of the transplant. I mean, were you just so excited to get it done? Were you worried? How was the chemo? Because, you know, for those who don't know, they're taking your you know, your cells, your stem cells that make all the WBCs, white blood cells, red blood cells and everything and putting it back into you, but really hitting you with chemotherapy. How was that whole process? Look, um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was not, I was not excited about doing it. I wasn't, I was really scared, but um, I felt that I owed it to myself and then also to my family. You know, I could see that my, my, my disease, my illness was also taking toll on them. And, um, and they were trying so hard to keep it together. And so was I. And, you know, suddenly my pain became their pain too. So yeah. when I signed that 15-page consent form <laughs> to, proceed, to proceed with a stem cell transplant, I took a big risk. But, um, look, it, chemo was tough. It was hard. I mean, there were days, um, um, like, I, I did felt that at one stage I, I lost my, I, you know, my identity. I couldn't recognize 
the girl in the mirror anymore. I had lost my hair and um, I kind of felt less desirable as a woman. And, um, and yeah, and so there are things about my body that were changing and even my um, skin color as well, because, you know, chemo had also played with that as well. Um, yeah. That was one of the side effects, but more so it, it took toll on my body where I was constantly fatigued and I had lost a tremendous amount of weight. Um, I mean, I had dropped down to 42 kilos and I was always vomiting and there was that, you know, um, oh. that foggy brain as well. Yeah. And I mean, and there were days that I had a heart rate of 185 and a fever, wow. you know, 44. So it was tough. It was tough, you know, um, you know, in the hospital ward. It, was, it wasn't easy at all. Of course not. Now, let's talk about the good things. So what did the stem cell transplant improve the most? What was the biggest change after, you know, down the line? Was it, was it the skin? What, what, is the, what was the best parts? I, the best part about the transplant was that I was it basically, I basically regained my quality of life. I mean, right to the end where, I mean, I couldn't even walk anymore. Yeah. I couldn't even um I couldn't even have a shower. I couldn't even um you know just bathe myself, address myself or even make myself a cup of tea. So the the transplant worked in so many ways. You know, I mean nice. although I still have I mean I still have lung disease. So yeah. um so that's be, you know that's very unfortunate, but in saying that um I found that I'm able to do so many things that I couldn't do before. And even the skin in areas of my body have softened and have wow. improved. And so wow. apart from apart from my face and my fingers, everywhere in my like my um I've got areas of my body that are very, very soft. So like I'm able to things that I couldn't do before I can do now. And um and I just, I'm just so thankful that, you know, I haven't lost my independence. Me, no, um, I, I that, love it. I think that was a really big thing for me. Like, I was so consumed to my bed. I felt like I was, you know, trapped in my own prison. And um, I couldn't do anything without support from my mom or my family. Aww. Whereas now I've kind of regained that and I'm, you know, I'm doing everyday activities things that i couldn't do before that were completely out of my control so i've like kind of returned to normal normal life basically except well, hey, for, except be, for the, the lung well, disease and the chronic cough well before we go into like your book and everything i want to make sure i save some time for that let me let me be like the big brother and, and say something that uh <laughs> You know, I, I do see a lot of scleroderma lung patients, you know, and I want you to be aware that there's something called pulmonary <coughs> arterial hypertension where the blood vessels in the lungs get some high blood pressure sometimes and something you want to monitor. And the fibrosis that happens with scleroderma, there's some new medications out there, you know, and I, I really want you to talk to your, your rheumatologist, maybe get a pulmonologist that kind of, you know, is involved with that. But, you know, even this drug that we're hearing all over this pandemic, tocilizumab, has actually has some data for patients who have, you know, fibrosis and scleroderma. And there's actually a brand name of a drug called OFEV, O-F-E-V, that also got some good data about fibrosis and scleroderma. So can you promise me you're going to look into some of these things? A hundred percent. I will. I promise you. However, my, um, my hematologist recommended a drug called microphenolate. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Yes, but I've been completely against it. 
Okay, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason I'll, I'll explain why. I'll explain why um, quickly. Um, the reason why I decided against microphenolate is because I do actually want to get pregnant and, okay. um, and start my own family. And yes, yeah, so that's why I've been very hesitant about using it. You know, I love talking shop with you. So, you know, when in scleroderma fibrosis, you know, a long, long time ago, galaxy far, far away, they'd use really toxic drugs like cyclophosphamide in the olden days. And a big thing about getting a stem cell transplant is not to use that really toxic drug cyclophosphamide. Then brand name Cellcept, which is the one you're talking about, Michael Phenolate, really became the main drug for a while. But do, do my, that homework assignment I gave you about that tocilizumab and OFEV, and you'll be interested. Okay. But uh, after, no after you have a baby, after you have the baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, all right. Now, let's go back to Dr. Raj podcast, all fun and happy. Let's talk about this family of yours. So I'm going to ask you something because I was, reading a something, I was reading something about you, and it says that your family is loud and <laughs> gossipy. <laughs> I kind of thought of your family like my big fat Greek wedding. Like, you know, they're all kind of like in their business and everything. Is that your family? Or is it kind yes, of that's <laughs> pretty much it. You've summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're a loud, lovable bunch. Um, but it's just chaos when we all get together. Um, everyone seems to know each other's secrets and business. and But it's all good fun. I love them to bits, but... We're just that big, that big bunch where, um, you know, we like we get together and everyone just sits there and talks about, you know, one another, but all in good fun. So, um, cool. and yeah, and so like we spend six hours chatting about it, you know, about certain, like a certain someone or something, a family gatherings, and then we'll end the conversation with, let's not talk about them. God's going to judge us. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, hey. Let's talk about some book action. So okay. book, I'm telling you, listeners, it's called A Life with Uncertainty. It must be a popular book because I, I, I told Claudia to send me a copy and she said no. I was kind of mad at her for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, tell me about um, what motivated you for, uh, for writing this book. Okay, so um, because I had been through so much and... Um, I felt like I owed it to myself to actually get my story out there. I wanted people to understand that what scleroderma is like. I mean, when I first got diagnosed, I, I, I mean, like I, like I mentioned, I, I turned to Google and I roamed the internet looking for um, information about scleroderma. But what I found was the horrors you know, of the disease. But you, but you just don't read about real life experiences. And something I wanted to, you know, something I wanted to hear from my doctors, but they couldn't, but they didn't share that information with you. So I, I took it upon myself to actually write about my journey. And I felt that um, it was part of my closure as well. So while I was writing, I was reliving each moment. And, um, but yeah, I just, I'm so glad I've, you know, I, I um, it, it took me a long time to write this book, actually. Because uh, I made a lot of edits in in two years, I probably got I maybe version twelve because <laughs> I just kept <laughs> adding to it. The first time I wrote this book, it was more of a health guide, and then I thought, oh my god, this is just too too boring. And then I thought, <laughs> I decided, so I decided to uh, make it more personal. You know, add about a bit about 
you know, my large family, um, even what I felt. So my, um, I, I decided to write about uh, my diagnosis, my medical journey with chemotherapy and my path to self-discovery and acceptance. Um, so, you know, sharing stories of my anxiety, my, you know, my loss of identity, quality of life, independence and general well-being and my efforts to retain a normal life and, you know, and maintain that independence. But then also I felt that I should also write about my struggles with chronic pain, depression, isolation and fear and how in the midst of it all, my faith was really tested to see how much I could truly handle. So, yeah, um, if anything, I think it's more of a guide for understanding the manifestations of scleroderma, but reading through real life, you know, real life experiences. So, also, I mean, I don't think you need to have scleroderma um, to appreciate this book. This book can also be helpful for anyone that has an autoimmune disease because it does actually talk about, um, you know, uh, finding my path to self-discovery and self-improvement. And I talk about how I went from being in a depressive state to finding acceptance along the way. And that, and appreciating that I've been given um, that even though this transplant has affected my life in so many ways, I've received the greatest gift at all, um, of all, a second chance to life. And um, so, yeah, I've, and I've kind of just finding I've now I see life differently. I'm learning to appreciate it more and learning to find happiness and joy in the smallest things. Well, nice answer. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, and I read a lot of reviews about your book and I, I haven't even seen one bad review online. It sounds like you really include a lot of personal things. But I got to ask you this question. Was there anything that you did not include <laughs> because you were kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's religion, maybe it's family, maybe it's love or something with the medicine. What did you not include in the book? What Something special that you could reveal on the Dr. Raj podcast? <laughs> that's, that's, uh, what can I say? Um, I was I was very honest in my journey. So come to think of it, um, I could have added a lot of things, maybe more about my my love life. Okay, <laughs> but, oh, I, I um, like this. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of chose. Uh, I purposely chose to leave some things out because I thought maybe that's another story. <laughs> um, my, my main focus here was scleroderma. Well, you know, now that we kind of opened this door, let me ask you two quick questions. Are you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? And you're talking about having a baby. Are you? Um, so I've got three brothers and one sister. Okay. And um, no, I, um, I'm not in a relationship, so I'm single, but I'm hoping to find that special someone and start a family one day. And if you meet that someone through my podcast, are you going to let me know? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'll even invite you to my wedding. I love it. Lebanese wedding. I love it. That's funny. <laughs> so um, I know you kind of hinted at this already, but I just want to uh, ask you directly. Was the writing process for you, was it was it was it fun or was it more of a chore? Did you find yourself like, what did I get myself into? When you look back, what, what was the over- <laughs> emotions that you had with the writing process? It's funny you say that because it was, um, look, it was a bit of a, a roller coaster. Um, I was, I'm working full time. So oh. I was, I was writing um, after hours. So in the evenings, on weekends, on Friday nights, any chance that I could get. And I mean, I was writing till early hours in the morning, up to 3am in the morning. 
It's funny because, I mean, sometimes I'll get really good ideas that will come to me in the shower. <laughs> what if I'm at work? <laughs> I, I have to just get out the shower and, you know, write it on my phone quickly, write it down in a message, send it to myself so I don't forget. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, like, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. It was, um, and, you know, as I mentioned before, it did bring back a lot of emotions, mixed emotions. It was tough writing it. Um, the book itself and um but i enjoyed every bit of it and and i'm now actually working on my second book oh now you read yes. mine i don't know if you did you, you put a camera in my in my office but that was my last <laughs> what are the plans for future books what's up next <laughs> give, give me some uh expand a little bit tell me about this second book what's it all about yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry for the excessive coffee. <laughs> but, you know, as you know, it's part of my lung. My lung is Dude, good. you got some fibrosis um, and scleroderma. <laughs> if anyone makes fun of you, you give them my address. I'm going to give them. <laughs> okay, we'll do. Right. Um, the second book, basically, I wrote it from a very different angle. It's it's still about scleroderma, but this time it's from my mother's perspective. Now, my mom had a big part in my journey and um, – she actually spent all her days and nights with me in the hospital world. Um, yes. So she, she actually stepped on the old recliner chair in the hospital and she stayed with me and she kind of battled my journey with me. So it went, like I said, it was my story and her story too. But this time um, I've decided to write it from her perspective. And I'm going back to 1965 when she was born. Wow. So yes. Dude, this has Netflix written all over it. I got to tell you, dude, <laughs> I, I see something here. I like that. I'm going to throw in a random question here. I wasn't going to ask you this, but what did you want to be when you when you when you're growing up? It sounds like you should have been a writer from day one with your creativity. <laughs> you um, actually, it's funny you say that because so when I was young, I wanted to be a journalist. Oh, and then OK. I, yeah. And as I grew older, um, as a young teenager, I wanted to be a nurse. Oh, and then, okay. and yeah, and that, then I'll changed. So, yeah. Yeah, but I really found my passion here. Um, I really enjoyed writing. I kind of just have a flow to it. Um, it just comes to me so naturally. And um, yeah, so. Well, fun. let me ask you my, my, my last question. I'm going to let you kind of like promote yourself in the book and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, one of the one of the big things that says I'm going to make this happen, this interview was when I was reading your bio and it said you love 80s music. So, yeah. I'm a huge '80s fan, so can can you can you tell me who your favorite bands are, so I can just kind of hear them? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Roxette. Ah, she's got the look. Was one of her songs like Roxette? No, um, Roxette. Uh, I believe so, but but they. Uh, let me think again. Um, one of the songs is in the soundtrack of Pretty Woman. Yes. Um, oh my God. It's a love song, but it's over now. That song. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, it must have been that's, love. <laughs> that's my favorite. Totally, um, totally. And also, simply red. Style. Yeah. Yeah, Amy. Um, Amy Grant. Yes. Um, baby, baby. Uh, in a circle, sweat. <laughs> uh, uh, what else can I Van Morrison have I uh, have I told you lately which is also by Rod Stewart yes do you have like a nice CD collection over there where you have your 80s? yes I do yes um <laughs> and Richard Max um right here waiting and Michael Bolton I've got uh 
I've got a um, a large range of songs on my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that you love the eighties. I think that's just awesome. So, hey, Claudia, I mean, it's amazing how like time just flew by. But I want to make sure the most important thing in the whole world is that awareness awareness about scleroderma. Let people know this amazing story you've been through and talk about your book. So, where can people find out more about you? your book, purchase your book. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've got an Instagram page. So if anyone wants to follow my journey, it's at living underscore with underscore scleroderma. If you'd like to purchase my book, it's available for all my international followers on Amazon, on a book depository. So on a number of websites, actually. Um, and for all my Australian followers, um, the link is actually in my bio on my Instagram page, but they can also head to Shoreline Publishing where they'll find my book there. And you know what, everyone, that we have what's called show notes. So when you download my podcast, listen to my podcast, go to the show notes and we'll put all that information that Claudia just said there so you can find her there also. You know, Claudia, this was such a treat. And, you know, always I mean this, not just because we're taping this, that call me, get a hold of me, Instagram me if you ever need anything. And you really are an inspiration to all people, not just people with scleroderma. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your podcast and for inviting me. And I'd also like to send you a copy of my book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, only, it only took uh, six months after you rejected me. But when you send it, is there a chance you could do a little signature in there so I can show it oh, up? Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. I will. Yeah. All right. I've got a personal message. I love it. Well, hey, thank you, Claudia. And for everyone else, hey, thank you for tuning in to the Dr. Raj podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Mm-hmm.